The Baptist and the Buddhist, identical twin brothers with two vastly different faiths. Join them as they explore their respective religions and how they differ and how they relate. Same DNA, different religions. Hey everybody, you are listening and watching to The Baptist. And The Buddhist. With Mark. And Brian. <laughs> and uh, uh, my intro is apparently w way funnier than whatever he could come up with. No. <laughs> oh. uh, I think the listening to threw me off. It was like, you were watching and listening to, so I like thought watching to. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, guys, guess what? We're on Instagram. We're on YouTube. We're on we're actually on facebook we're on podcast things around the world we're actually YouTube. global now because anyone can get to us as long as they have a vpn which we don't have a sponsor or anything but <laughs> <laughs> oh, i don't know where i'm going with this right now <laughs> yeah like subscribe and everything i just thought i would get that out of the way first because we haven't done that in a while we always save it for last and people are probably tuned out by then which it doesn't really matter because it's not like we're yeah. looking for subscribers how many people have actually made it to the end of one of our episodes or one of our shows <laughs> i haven't even no <laughs> <laughs> oh oh well by the time you're hearing this you already know what we're all about we are two twins that talk about not just stuff but we're actually talking about spiritual matters religion beliefs and faith yeah faith and all that good stuff and uh, you know spending most of our lives together this isn't actually a huge topic that we took time to discuss mainly because we both explored it kind of like after we moved away and apart so now we're kind yeah. of it's kind of like a conversation reunion and we get to enlighten each other on what's going on in our lives and what we're uh what we're looking at and dialogue and and discussion is good it's it is good yes and it's i mean just from my perspective it's been very very uh informative and really like it's good like for me to tell to talk to someone else about this stuff even just like it's almost like getting off my chest even though I've talked to other people about it before too, but like, I don't know. It's, it's just kind of cool to be able to get it, um, to communicate this information and get it out there, not only to you as my twin brother, but like other people as well. Like, it's just, it makes me excited to talk about it. It's just a fun thing to talk about. Yeah. And I think that is the like best part about like interfaith dialogue is just like, you you're able to express your thoughts and maybe give it a fresh approach and make you think differently like think more uh on what you believe and also you get to hear other people's uh beliefs and it's just a sharing of of ideas and you know there's nothing coercive or or you know there's nothing I don't know. There's, there's nothing bad about it. You know, yeah. it's just yeah, it's comfortable. Good. It's comfortable. 
Yeah. And I think, yeah. like, to be honest, I think a lot of people in my circles pr- wouldn't find these kind of conversations comfortable. I don't know why, and may, maybe not a lot, but some people would probably actually discourage conversations like this sometimes. I um, think a big part of it is that conversations like this normally don't happen in the wild without kind of a uh, an approach of convincing or debate or yeah that's very true something like that yeah and if it's not first approach like that it's going to turn into it and like i mean i just avoid the debate uh the the debate lifestyle on that on that plane so yeah, which is probably why we're not so popular. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we need to start yelling at each other oh, more. These guys, these these guys get along. No, no. Oh, come on. That's not oh, fun. I wanted one of them to destroy the other or something like that. <laughs> oh man, um, I was gonna say something else about that, but I forgot. Um, I mean, I I'm I tend to see myself as having an open mind. I listen to some weird ideas and some of them have opened my eyes on some things and some of them are still completely weird to me, but like just listening and looking at what others have to say um, from a biblical perspective, there's no new thing under the sun and uh, everything has some hint of truth in it. So I'd like to, uh, to see what I can find in any conversation or any topic so yeah even if it's a weird podcast episode of another podcast not our podcast because our podcasts aren't weird right right <laughs> i don't know about i don't that. know about that <laughs> it's not weird unless you make it weird <laughs> <laughs> oh man so last time we were together we were talking about the community of our faith systems if you will and uh we for some reason somehow this just naturally transitioned into like what we're talking about today which is you you explain it (laughs) we're talking about what it means you know to become a christian a buddhist a you know the being converted, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and what that entails, uh, what that means, you know, on a spiritual sense, maybe on a practical sense, and you know the the rituals and ceremonies and whatnot, however you want to define them, that come with that, and maybe the ceremonies are more like of a social thing or maybe their spiritual depth to them. Right. Yeah. And like when, when you brought up this topic to me about conversion, I'm like, okay, like from my perspective, we all, we already talked about conversion, but then you start talking about like the, the, like any traditions or like rituals in, involved in it. I'm like, okay, I, I can get on that, like to talk more about that. And it may surprise some Christians in Christian circles, especially those of more like traditional, um, like maybe even Catholic or some other like 
um, some other Protestant uh, denominations that what I will say, even some Baptists are going to not completely jive with what I will say about these things. Um, But I guess I can start off, um, unless we wanted to expound on what this topic is even further, <laughs> but um, uh, I don't. I think we're. I think we have expounded as much as necessary. Yeah. Okay. So I was saying, like, saying talking about conversion. It's like okay, I I've already talked about salvation because we talked about that in our sin duka episode, um, and the destiny episode. You know, like getting saved as a Christian, being some some Christians say being born again, um, you know, placing your your trust and and faith in what Jesus did for our sins, and not not relying on ourselves to uh, redeem our fallen state was basically what salvation is. And when we are saved, the Bible says we are sealed by the Holy Ghost unto the day of redemption. So that seal is like an unbreakable seal. So like we always say like once saved, always saved. Like we don't have to get saved again if we mess up because we can't mess up because Jesus didn't mess up. Like he did it for us. That's not, we're not relying on us for it. So like once we're saved, um, the Bible says that that individual that's saved is baptized into the body of Christ by this, by the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, and that's it. That's literally that's it. That's conversion right there. Like I'm like okay, that that's easy. Like boom, done, converted. You're now a Christian or whatever you want to call yourself. Um, and we literally have to do nothing else. Um, you can live the rest of your life in whatever capacity you want. You will, if you don't, if you don't walk in the Spirit and live a life for God, you are going to suffer loss at the judgment seat, but that has nothing to do with your eternal salvation. You're still going to be saved. Once saved, always saved. You can read the Bible. You can go to church. You can tell others about Jesus. You have the spirit indwelling you, but that's conversion right there. Um, next. No, I'm kidding. No, I have some more stuff to say, but that that's when someone says conversion that's like to me to my in my circles that's what conversion is it's it's salvation it's getting saved but then you talked about the rituals and i this is a very touchy subject for some people and i wanted to i'm like you know this is probably the episode to touch on these topics so i'm going to go into a into it a little bit when one becomes a christian in Baptist circles and a grace believers circles and any, I mean, really any, uh, any Christian circles, you know, we become a Christian, but there are some denominations of Christianity that will have more to it. Um, and they have like certain, they, they might call them ordinances or, um, like sacraments to do, like to kind of keep this pro, like this progression rolling, and you could probably name some if I asked you, right? Yeah, like penance or 
the, the words slip in my mind. Uh, you know, I, when I you think go to confess, confession, confession. 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 There okay, we go. Yep, wow. yep, yep. So yeah, some. I mean, when I I did study Catholicism a little bit a long time ago, um, they have a lot of different. You know, penance uh, like is something that you kind of earn. I think if I am not mistaken, you know, you have to like get your penance. Um, I know in, in like Catholicism. I know in the in medieval times you could like purchase penance. Yeah, and that's <laughs> what that's what made Martin Luther kind of angry and that's how like the Reformation started was like he saw all these backwards things that the scripture didn't talk about and he's like, What in the world? I'm gonna talk about that too in a second actually. But um but yeah, you see, um, especially in Catholic or um, or pro- some Protestant um, denominations that came out of Catholicism, they will have like um, confession. That's mainly Catholic, though. But uh, a lot of like a lot of denominations might have something where you get baptized as a child, as a baby, infant baptism. Um, where they sp- like sprinkle or dunk you in holy water as an infant. Um, and that's what I'm going to talk about. One is baptism. Um, when you look generally in Baptist circles, the Bible only has two, what, what are called, what are some call ordinances. Um, I don't believe there are scriptural basis for any other, um, ordinance or tradition or ritual for a, um, for a believer, um, besides, baptism and then there's also communion or the lord's supper um but biblically based i don't believe that those other rituals or sacraments are like doctrinally sound if you will um because as as a bible believer as like from our grace believer circles baptist circles we look at the bible in the bible only we don't have other like other church founders like traditions or doctrines and the bible says don't don't follow vain traditions or don't follow after the traditions of men and i might i think i'm have a scripture for that like any exegesis yeah yeah any anything extra um or anything beyond what scripture has for us. There's a lot of people that will follow the footsteps of other church leaders or other like founding fathers that necessarily aren't really seen in the Bible. Um, a lot of it is like the Catholics or like even like Lutherans or, or whatnot um, derivatives from Catholics. But I kind of did want to touch on something just kind of as a side note, like, um, when I talk about my circles, like Baptists, grace believers, even, um, we have the idea and the history that we did not come from the reformation or the Catholic church. Cause when you talk about the reformation, you're talking about these Protestant denominations coming out of Catholicism that basically turned their back on Catholicism and said, we're going to like go back to the Bible but as a, from a Baptist lineage, we survived through and before the foundation of Catholicism. Um, a lot of people say it's like the Anabaptist uh, lineage, and we, we were kind of 
the name Baptist doesn't mean that we just baptize. Like that's not where it really comes from. It like early on, and I'm not going to do a whole history thing right now, but like Anabaptist it came from anti-Baptist and we were, because those people were against baptizing infants because it's not a scriptural basis. There's no scriptural basis for baptizing babies. Um, so they started calling them anti-Baptist. There's a lot of other different names before that, that they were called, um, like anti-Baptist, Anabaptist. And I think Baptist just kind of stuck throughout time. Um, so we see, as, we see ourselves as not even having been like filtered through the Catholic and the Reformation period. We've always been kind of a secondary lineage, if you will. And that's, that's the same lineage as like Mennonites and Amish and a few other, um, a few other denominations or sects out there. Um, so when we approach ordinances or like rituals, it's usually a lot different than many other churches. And a lot of other churches might be closely related to the Baptist, um, the Baptist foundations or like doctrine, if you will, like the evangelicals are basically just Baptists or uh, there are some churches that call themselves independent fundamentalists that aren't Baptists, but they basically are Baptists. They just don't want to use the name. And, li and like I've said before, my church, if we could get rid of the Baptist name, we would, but it, I think it, we're kind of just stuck on it for as tradition, like for tradition, for tradition's sake or something. Um, so, um, baptism for us. In the grace believer circle, baptism is very debatable. There are some grace believers or some Baptists, usually more in the dispensational side, that will actually reject baptism for the, the church age. Like, we don't need to be baptized. It was, it was for Israel. It was for that time. Um, and I'll, I'll read a few things about baptism because what is baptism to a, a believer these days? And I, I'm just going to pull up a few things because I'm not going to say whether baptism is for us or not in these days because it's so debatable. Um, I can tell you what it's not for. It's not for salvation. You don't need to be baptized to have redemption or forgiveness. You don't need to be baptized to remain in a forgiven state. Um, you just need the blood of Christ and that is sufficient. And that is, I mean, more than sufficient, really. Um, I'm going to go to Colossians 2. We'll see what they have to say about believers. Basically going back to the conversion, um, topic, like what is a, con what is a believer these days? Like what are we, what are we doing these days? Um, so Colossians 2, 1, like, who are we after we are saved? Uh, let's see. I'll just start in verse 11. It says, in whom also you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. So he's, Paul is talking about how there, like the Jews, Israel would be circumcised physically. But this, Paul is telling us about a circumcision made without hands. And what is it? It says, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. 
buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. So he's talking about a baptism with uh, with Christ basically being being buried and being risen again. And when when a lot of Baptists will conduct baptisms, they say the the uh, the sole purpose of baptism for a lot of Baptists is basically just an outward showing like, Hey, I'm showing the world that I'm, that I'm a changed person. We, we, they usually say it's an outward showing of an inward work. So it's literally being buried like Jesus was in the ground in, in the tomb and then being raised again in the newness of life. Um, Would you say there's like a big, uh, social, you know, you said it was like kind of showing the the world. It's it's like almost socially based. Uh, almost, yeah. I I would I would classify it as that myself personally. It's almost just a a social event, if you will. Um, and I mean, I was baptized after I was saved. That's what I was told to do. Just as just to show the church that I was serious about my decision. Um, and that I knew what I was talking about basically. Um, but yeah, social is a good word. Um, in my, in, from my perspective anyways. Um, so verse 13 talks about, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, uh, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Um, so he he's talking about this baptism. Um, so what is this baptism? The, the Bible says, or Paul says, that we are we have like one Lord, one faith, one baptism. He says we have one baptism. Some people some people will say that's a water baptism. Um, some people say it's not a water baptism. So my uh, my natural thing to do is look at what the Bible says about that. Um, like, what does Paul say about baptism? Like, what does uh, what what does he what does he say he wants us to be baptized? Does he want does he say he doesn't want us to be baptized? Um, but I thought it was interesting in First Corinthians one, um, around verse like fourteen ish. Um, let's see. He's talking. He's telling the Corinthians basically like stop um, dividing yourselves. And this is actually really interesting when he says this. Um, it says now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that ye speak that ye all speak the same thing and that there be no division among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Um, for it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are in the house of Chloe. He's talking about like actual people like, hey, the Corinthians are doing this, that there may, that there are contentions among you. And this is their contentions. He tells us exactly what their contentions are. It says, Now I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I have him Apollos. That was one of the uh, the teachers, the preachers with Paul. Um, 
and I of Cephas, which is Peter, and I of Christ. So everyone's saying like, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Peter, I'm of Jesus. Like there's a division because everyone's like basically making their own sect within the Corinthian church. And Paul says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? And he, this is what he says. I thank God that I baptized none of you, but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I baptized in mine own name. And I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. So basically like Paul's like, Hey, I don't care. Like you guys shouldn't care who baptized you or what baptism you have or whatever. And the next verse says it for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Um, for preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. So he's like, okay, forget about baptism because you guys are just getting messed up by that whole thought. Like I'm not supposed, like we're not called out to baptize. Some people say like you must be bat, you must be saved and baptized. Um, but Paul specifically says that I'm not out here to baptize. I'm here to preach the gospel. So baptism has an extreme, extremely less emphasis than before because in a dispensational timeline, baptism, when, uh, let's say when the forerunner of Jesus, um, John the Baptist, you know, that's in his name and Jesus even preached like repent and be baptized. Like that's how you get saved. Like people, like there are literally people asking in those books, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, like, how do I get saved? And they're literally being told to be baptized. So a lot of people will apply that to us saying we need to be baptized to be saved. But when you divide who is, who are they talking to? Who is that for? You see when, since they're talking to Israel to prepare for the kingdom to come and really the tribulation that's supposed to come before that they were to be baptized. Um, some people think that Israel was baptized by pouring of water and not really dunking in water. And they, they try to get really technical, um, because it's like the Holy spirit pouring out on them. Um, but he was not sent to baptize. Romans six, three talks about being baptized into death and then being raised in the newness of life. Um, Romans 6, 3, know ye not that so many of us, uh, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Notice he says we were baptized into Jesus Christ and we were baptized unto his death. Therefore we are buried with him in baptism into death that as like Christ, we should raise up from the dead by the glory of the father. Uh, even so also should walk in the newness of life. So he's still talking about baptism here, but we were baptized into Jesus Christ. And that kind of leads me to like, what is the one baptism that Paul talks about? I mentioned, he said, there's one baptism. Like, what is that one baptism? And you see in first Corinthians 12, 13, he says, uh, for by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free and have been all made to drink into one spirit. So we are baptized 
there are, there's usually like three parts to baptism. By the Spirit, we we are baptized into the body of Christ. So he talked about being baptized into into Jesus Christ. So basically, like the Spirit took us and baptized us into this body of Christ. Whatever that like means, I mean, we literally we weren't literally like dunked into the water by the Spirit, but it was into this body of Christ. Where when you look at, um, when you look at like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they actually say they're baptized with the Holy Ghost. Like the Holy Ghost is literally poured on them. Um, like in Mark one and Acts eleven, uh, thirteen, I believe it says the same thing that they are baptized by or with the Holy Ghost, not by the Holy Ghost, with the Holy Ghost. And there was also something else that they talked about being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And the name like was really important to the, to Israel in like the pre-trib, the pre-tribulational, like, um, or the pre-kingdom ministry of Jesus, where in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he would, they had a very large emphasis on believing in the name of Jesus because they had to believe their Messiah was there. Um, but so there's like so much difference in baptisms. Like I could see where Christians would get confused. Like we're supposed to be baptized, but we're not supposed to be baptized. Um, like what is baptism? But I think from, from Paul's perspective, like baptism really is about the believer being placed into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. Like at the time he, the, that person is converted, is, is saved. They receive their salvation. Basically they are baptized into the body of Christ. Um, let me see here. I think I have a few other things to hit on about baptism. I found uh, an interesting uh, an interesting thing that um, that Paul said, and I think this shows that there are different baptisms, and that's why there's so much confusion. Because I just showed you two baptisms. There's a baptism with the Holy Ghost and by the Holy Ghost. One is for Israel. One is for the body of Christ. But there's also one I I found in 1 Corinthians 10 where he says, um, Moreover, brethren, I should, I would not have, or I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Talking about when Israel was led out of Egypt, they were led by a cloud, a pillar of smoke or fired by night, and they passed through the Red Sea. And this next verse, Paul says that they were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Like he uses that word baptized as, a, I mean, they weren't baptized into the body of Christ. They weren't baptized like by, with the Holy Spirit, but they were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Um, which he says that that cloud was Christ and that, and there was, he talks about also like drinking from the same spiritual, spiritual drink, which was the rock that Moses broke that sprung water out, which 
takes me back over to where Paul said that we, uh, talking about baptism, he also talks about us drinking the this, this spirit as well. So that was kind of a interesting, uh, interesting, um, comparison that I found with that baptism, but like, are we supposed to be baptized as Christians? I think we can be, I don't, we definitely don't have to be, um, lots of, lots of grace believers will say, don't be baptized because that was just for the, for Israel. And that's not for us today because it's just, we're just basically getting wet at this point. And that, that's basically it. Um, so part, is it part of conversion? Uh, it, you can say that it's part of your post conversion activities or something. Yeah. Um, but it's not necessary. Um, and that, that's where I, that's where I fall at this point. Like, I'm not convinced that it's not for this day and age, but I'm also not convinced that it is. It's a nice thing to do. So, especially for social reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. But the, um, the, like Paul does warn against like doing like traditions just for the sake of traditions, like let go of your traditions. Like we are very non-traditionalistic, like, like vain repetition is not profitable. Um, but then again, Paul does say like all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. So like, I'm like, cause that's like application of lawfulness in the age of grace. All things are lawful. Like, you know, we can't be condemned under sin because we did something that might, that some people might see unlawful, but it's not expedient necessarily, um, uh, to the, to the believer or even just to the, to the cause of the gospel, if you will. Um, He's, he says all things are lawful for me. Not only does he say they're not expedient, but he also says they edify not. Um, and then he says, let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth, which is really, uh, that's a really cool verse. I, I, I never really heard that until a few years ago. Um, like the real, uh, like impact that verse can talk about, but that's for another time. Um, but yeah, there's, there's that point to like are we being are we baptizing just because we're like we it's our tradition to baptize like or should we look at this more like should we look at this closer because maybe we're just doing this for the wrong reasons or something um but when you also look at ordinances in the christian uh church you come across the ordinance or the ritual of communion or the Lord's Supper, which, like, what is the what is communion? Where, where does this come from? And that's that comes from what many call the Last Supper, when Jesus and his disciples were in the upper rooms in Jerusalem, and they he broke bread and he said that this is my body, 
and he they took the the wine and said this is my blood um and he said do this in remembrance of me so you know naturally m- many churches if not all churches will re- will recognize the the remembrance of what of Jesus's body and blood through through the through the Lord's Supper through the that communion if you will um and I don't see as much like debate over communion as I do baptism but I do see some um but I was reading out of the Berean uh like a newsletter or whatever they release, um, some interesting takes on communion because the Bereans, they, it's like a small Bible society that rejects baptism. They're very dispensational and very, uh, very, um, no, basically they're very dispensational. I don't remember the other adjective I was going to say, but they, I think they accept communion. But at our church, we ex- we do the Lord's Supper every now and then, and we, there's no set schedule for it. Some some churches do it every week, some churches do it once a year. Like a, we just do it every once in a while, whenever we feel like it, basically. And the Bible says, like as often as you eat and drink, do it. Like if you like, as long as you do it, do it. Um, but what is communion? We usually have some kind of like unleavened bread. Usually it's like a cheap mass-produced cracker that tastes horrible. Um, <laughs> so I've been to some churches that have actual like ripped up bread. Some of them are leavened, which is not what you're supposed to do. It's supposed to be unleavened um, according to like the Jewish uh, traditions and then what Jesus and the disciples would have been doing. Um, and then we have grape juice, some some churches use you know fermented wine some churches say no it wouldn't have been fermented there's that whole alcohol debate too um and usually when our with our uh with our with our ceremony if you will it's not really a ceremony it's just a service that we do the same thing (laughs) so it's a ceremony (laughs) um we'll read out of um one of the like I think Matthew or Mark where he says this is my body this is my blood and we'll do it like verse by verse like he said take eat and we'll eat he said like and then he says this this and this and then like take drink this is my blood so we'll drink the uh the grape juice but that's it's really uh, we use it as a time as reflect for reflection we look backwards to the cross we look upwards and we look inwards uh inward and then like we're supposed to reflect on what jesus did and what we are doing for jesus basically um some some other churches will take it way further than that there's uh the doctrine in the catholic church of transubstantiation where they say the the bread will literally transform into the literal flesh of Jesus um, and the wine will literally turn into the blood of Jesus and like that that I, I don't completely fully understand the rationalization for that but 
Um, I don't, we don't believe that in my circles at all. It's just a representation. And the, the basis for having like a grace believer or like, you know, a Pauline dispensationalist doing it is because Paul says to do it. Like Paul says like, Hey, doing this, like you're not, it's not to eat food. It's not to drink. So eat before you come to, before you gather together to do it, because this is not for eating. Cause can't you just eat in your house? Is basically what Paul says. Like, don't you have a house to eat in? Just eat there, eat, eat and drink there. Um, but when you come together, you eat and drink the Lord's supper and you know, it's not to, to gain nourishment or anything. It's a more ceremonial. And I have a very hard time saying it's not for grace believers in this age of grace. Um, I just don't see it. But those are really the only like post conversion, like rituals that like I will closely follow or like that's the closest I can get to that. Um, some, denominations will have communion as like you you have to take first communion like after you take these steps then you can take first communion um and they make it very structured and organized onto going that way um but i just don't see a, a like a bible basis for that myself so something you had said about like paul saying you know not to be you know too concerned or you know whatever the word the wordage was about uh tradition for tradition's sake or whatever yeah um, i thought that was interesting uh because in in buddhism we have uh i believe it's one of the 10 fetters uh that is you know um clinging to rites and rituals mm. for rites and rituals sake like you can't find you know you can't find liberation from suffering through rituals and rites and whatnot. Now, yeah and I think there's a fine line you can walk with that and I, I can expound a little bit on what Paul was saying because um he does say it's in Colossians two eight. It says, "Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of this world, and not after Christ." So he's talking about the traditions of men. So like, where do you draw the line if it's like a tradition of men and or and not? Because then in Second Thessalonians two fifteen he says. Uh, therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Um, so, well, I mean, it kind of, the context kind of has to, uh, the the context defines what, like, these traditions mean, like, holding the traditions which ye have been taught. Like, because, therefore, stand fast and hold the traditions. Like, wherefore? Um, it says, uh like he talks about giving thanks uh, to God, um, choosing salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. And then he says, Wherefore, whereunto ye, or he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, so talking about the 
the traditions which ye have been taught. Um, I think that is that's really pointing towards like biblically based like what have you been taught not so much as like a physical tradition like a ritual but like the traditions of like of keeping like walking in the spirit and you know studying the word meditating on the word um so yeah definitely not uh definitely not just like reject any tradition but I think it really mainly is like those, you know, we got to do the communion every week just because we have to. Like, no, no, you don't. Like, I think maybe you're getting stuck in a tradition of man because someone thinks that you should do it every week. Doesn't mean you have to. Um, yeah, like putting like a certain amount of importance in in performing that tradition and thinking oh if i don't do this it's not gonna work you know yeah yeah and i th- it, jesus ta- tells his disciples about that too um it's like when when you pray don't use vain repetition like because a lot of the prayer back then in israel was very repetitious and like you can lose the meaning of it and you don't fully realize what you're saying or what you mean because God, and we'll talk about prayer another time, but God wants prayer to be like sincere and like in your own words and like what you actually need, not just vain repetitions. Um, and that's another thing with communion. What, what a lot of people will do as well, will do the, uh, the Lord's prayer, you know, our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name that like i believe fully that that's not for this day and age because they're talking about like the believers like israel and the 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 nations scattered abroad the tribes scattered abroad in the tribulation period like they need to pray for their daily bread or they're going to go hungry and and die and they're asking for a god's kingdom to come to be his will to be done on earth and the kingdom to come like that's really not what we're asking for now. We're we're looking for the rapture, so there are the, that's another kind of like vain repetition or tradition that I see in a lot of churches that I don't do. We like my circles don't do the Lord's prayer, and really it's technically like the disciples' prayer. Um, but yeah, definitely the like holding on to traditions for tradition's sake is really detrimental in a lot of ways. What do you have? Yeah, so conversion or what whatever you may call it, conversion just sounds kind of like a strange word. Uh but I guess it it's really what works right now in a more ecumenical sense. But um, in in Buddhism, there's the idea of taking refuge or going for refuge. And that's kind of like when you when you say that, you know, one might say instead of, oh, I converted to Buddhism, you might hear them say, oh, I took refuge or I went. Or I went 
for refuge. Hmm. And so the question is like, what, what does this mean? <laughs> you know? Um, and in Buddhism, there's this, there's the idea of what's called the triple gem or the three jewels, which is what you go to for refuge, which are the Buddha, the Dhamma and the Sangha, which constitute the the refuge the triple gem and so you know one goes for refuge in the buddha goes uh for refuge in the dhamma and then goes for refuge in the sangha and this is this acts as kind of a a basis um some weird feedback uh it acts as a basis of kind of where one roots the path of practice um to further explain uh so one goes for refuge in the buddha what does that what what what's that supposed to mean um actually let me rewind a little and say why are we going for refuge in the buddha dhamma and sangha and it is in in general it's because for for most people um i'm i mean for everyone uh we daily moment by moment go for refuge in conditioned things uh we go for refuge for happiness you know we we seek out happiness we seek out avoidance of pain you know we we try to gain happiness and try to mitigate or get rid of pain and unpleasant experience and so through our day-to-day existence we continuously are looking for oh what's you know what will ease this dissatisfaction in life and we mistakenly do that through uh, mainly a little chunk of the time through sense pleasures. You know, oh, I'm going to watch a good show. I'm going to eat some good food. Going to, you know, and it's and there's like this subtle, the subtle mistaken notion that this will give you, you know, this will lead to the end of your suffering but it doesn't it never does because things are impermanent so the 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 sense pleasures you go for refuge in are impermanent and so if they'll change or they'll go away and you're left empty-handed and confused and frustrated or befuddled and so what going for refuge in the buddha dhamma and sangha really is about is that foundation of of a path of practice that that leads to liberation from suffering and so these are so i'll I'll just get into it um going for refuge in the buddha the buddha is the teacher of the dhamma he has laid out this path he you know we can say oh we're going for refuge in the historical buddha 
um, or we're going for refuge in you know the the idea of Buddhahood um, of awakening um, but I think it's like really what's important is you're going for refuge in the one who has laid out this path and is has taught it and so you go to refuge in the Dhamma the Dhamma is is the path of practice is the way that's what Dhamma means is the way or or the truth or natural law um, and the Dhamma in a Buddhist context is the Buddha Dhamma the, the Dhamma of the Buddha the path of awakening um, and so we are taking refuge in the Dhamma as a way that actually will lead to the end of suffering and then going for refuge in the Sangha. The Sangha we talked about last time is the community. Um, and specifically in the context of refuge is usually the Sangha of the, the monastic order of the, of the bhikkhus and bhikkhunis. And also the Sangha of the, the ones who have awakened thus far. Um, and also in general, those who, who practice the path. Um, and because we talked about the, the, the most, the inspiration and, you know, edification of the community, that effect that it has on one. And also it's going for refuge in the Sangha is so important because the Sangha it, are, is the one is what carries the Dhamma forward is what upholds the Dhamma you know I'm um, especially like you know when you're talking about the monastics the, the monastics are the ones who who study and teach it nowadays um, you know back back then it, the Buddha was you know teaching it for 40 some years and now what do we have we have we have the Dhamma but we need people to teach it too you know um, and so I hear it, I hear a lot that like the most important jewel of the three jewels is the Dhamma, is the teaching and the path. And so in a, in a practical sense, you know, in a real life setting, when one goes, when one wants to become a Buddhist, they take refuge in the three jewels and from my own experience, um, I took refuge in a Tibetan uh, temple. Um, so I don't know exactly how it would be in, in any other temple, really. But uh, there's like a, a small ceremony um, where they'll symbolically cut a tiny, tiny bit of your hair off to kind of symbolize, you know, what the monastics do, which is cut everything off. <laughs> um and I remember in our ceremony, we also took a tiny bit of saffron water out of a little uh, pitcher and drank it. Um, and you're also given like a, a, a Dharma name. Um, <laughs> and we were, in the Tibetan tradition, we, we were also given like a little red cord to kind of symbolize what we are doing. Um, 
but I hear a lot that like, oh, you know, what makes you a Buddhist? Oh, you go for refuge in the three jewels. Um, and that's that's the the limit of the definition. <laughs> but um, but I also hear a lot that there's there's another prerequisite to be a Buddhist, um, and I know quite a few people who would probably disagree with this, but I think there's some merit in it, and that is um, if one one becomes a Buddhist, they also take the five lay precepts, and this it, it's almost like the the bare I, I don't want to say the, the bare minimum but basically like oh the bare minimum of like the most important basic practical application of the Dhamma in your everyday life through your actions mainly um, and I read somewhere recently it's like this is these are some of the things that the Buddha said are always unskillful um, what to not the precepts themselves but what the precepts yeah. uh, have you refrain from and so the five precepts are you re, you refrain from killing you refrain from stealing you refrain from sexual misconduct you refrain from uh, telling lies uh, and you refrain from intoxicants and and so it's like it's expected that if you go for refuge, you know, you're you're walking, you know, you you've decided to practice the path of awakening. And so this is the 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 most important basic things you can start implementing into your life. Um and they're practice precepts. So they're you know, their 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 practices you are undertaking and practice is a great word for it because, you know, you mess up um sometimes and it's like, oh well, you know, better get back on that. Uh and so I would say the five pre the taking the refuge and going and undertaking the five precepts are important important steps in becoming a Buddhist and what else can I say about it the, the refuge vows um, you 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 know originally when you become a Buddhist you you know recite these refuge vows of going for refuge um, but they're also recited a lot at the beginning of like a, a service or a, a retreat or something um, I'm sure there are people who, and it's probably a good idea to, you know, maybe implement it at the beginning of your daily practice or something. Um, yeah, I don't know. So I had a couple of questions. Um, yeah. one was kind of like really random and unrelated. Like, where do they get your dharma, your dharma name? Where do they? Yeah, like where does that come from? Do they have like um, a book? That is a 
Or really good question. That's a really good question. Um, I know the Tibetan temple that I uh, took refuge in. I think they have they give out, and it's actually uh, these little yellow. Uh, it's a tiny yellow piece of paper with like like some supplications and mantras, and on the back is your Dharma name. And from my understanding is they have like a list of different Dharma names and they wrote them on the cards and shuffled them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I'm sure like in, uh, in some traditions, it's probably like you're given a a Dharma name from a teacher that you are, you know, working with or something. Um, And a lot of the names especially in like the Theravada uh, tradition like the monastics will have like a monastic name like you know they may have been born you know Robert or something but then they'll be like uh, like Sudadaso or something Um, some Pali word probably with you know important meaning uh, but hmm. yeah. So, what is your Dharma name? My Dharma name is Tenpa Darje, which is Tibetan for progressing the doctrine, or progressing the the Dhamma or Dharma in a Tibetan tradition. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I like how I like the uh the concept of like refuge like taking refuge um in those three things um it's a there's a common refrain it's from a verse in in one of the psalms that says like the lord like i I think it says like you are my refuge or something like that um and like the three jewels of the refuge like are really applicable to um like kind of translate over into like a christian aspect um because you know we take refuge in the lord and in the word and in the church the body of christ like that it's like i just translating it over like it fits pretty well like you know we take refuge in jesus from our from the penalty of sin we take refuge in the word like to uh to grow in the bible the bible talks about like being washed by the water of the word like you're you're i mean that's how the the holy spirit communicates with you um and that's how god communicates with you and then in a church like that's the the body of people that you can get out of the work, the rest of the world from. And it's like a change of pace. And that's why we have like mid service, midweek services, because like, you know, each weekend's not enough. Like just in middle of this long week, we can like basically take refuge in the church, like together just to get a refresher. Um, and yeah. Then- I think that's, probably why like it's stressed a lot in the buddhist tradition of having a daily practice to break to break that daily yeah yeah yeah, and definitely like 
daily exercises and meditations and and daily bread yeah daily bread yeah i mean that's taken way out of context but yes (laughs) (laughs) um yeah and it's it's interesting um some people would make a very important distinction that you're not taking refuge you're going for refuge because the original wording is like like budang saranang gachami which is i go gachami is i go you're not i I don't i'm not taking refuge but i'm going for refuge and there's you know very nuanced you know differences between the two and Hmm. um but yeah i guess it's like you know it's from a buddhist perspective you're you're going for refuge in the three jewels and kind of giving up searching in vain for refuge elsewhere um, in in our ideas and our wilderness of views of self and the just the the world like kind of this relinquishing of yep like none of this is actually working you know none of this none of what I've tried in my life so far is actually actually ending suffering and bringing peace hmm. um, so yeah well yeah when you originally like oh yeah we can do an episode on conversion slash refuge like you know this that left a huge like table open f- like for I think for both of us because like those things mean like can mean so many different things and I had no idea what you're talking about refuge I assumed it was a Buddhist thing, but um, that was interesting to to learn about that. Very interesting. Yeah, and there's probably a lot more to be said about it, but I think so. I th- I think if from like a Christian standpoint, like refuge, or I don't know what you would call it. Um, some would call it parts of it, like uh, meditation. Because we're we're supposed to be meditating upon the word, um, I mean that. I mean that's all. Like, there's so many different things that I could say about that too. One of these episodes, we'll get into something along those. Lines. I don't even know what lines that would be, but. Um, okay, well, I think that wraps it up. Uh, wraps it up, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think so. Yeah. Unless there's anything else we need to say, but um, yeah, that's. I don't even know if like, is that conversion? <laughs> it was kind of a miss. A, a lot of different topics brought up today, because really? of that, like what it that was means. Very concise, but <laughs> <laughs> it's you know, oh, I remember. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, it was about uh, like the idea of like going for refuge or uh, like the idea of oh you know I'm gonna like seeking refuge from you know the storm or whatever um, which is storming out right now so that's kind of funny but um, and kind of like I was I om- I kind of wanted like add like a kind of a really personal take on it 
um which i think that's probably the best thing to do in these shows yeah um is to kind of reflect on our personal journeys but because i remember when i first initially got into buddhism um you know i was coming out of a a a pagan uh tradition and i tried to reconcile the two i was like oh yeah you know i can i can practice druidry with with buddhism um and and i really thought i could do it and then as i went i was like you know the 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 druidry the pagan stuff like i'm just kind of clinging to that first of all hmm. and just like oh but it's familiar i don't want to you know you know i i still want it and then it's like but but do i really like do i really want it still and it was just this kind of this uh reflection that made me realize like no like what i've what i found in buddhism is like actually what i find most useful and inspiring and and Hmm. i'm you know why why bother trying to drag the past along with it you know Hmm. so you know almost i almost want to say the same but i can't it's almost the opposite for me like when i first became a christian like I rejected so many things just out of like, not principle, but because like, that's what we're supposed to do, right? We're Christians. You know, there's obvious things that like, a lot of Christians will obviously say like, Oh, yeah, I stopped drinking. I stopped. I stopped swearing all the time. I stopped doing this and that like, okay. But like, some things like you almost I almost like, not not you like other people, but like, I almost were like was afraid of certain things. And I think music was a big one. And we'll, we'll definitely talk about that um, on an episode. Cause I know music is very near and dear to both of our hearts. So um, like there are some things that I probably for the wrong reasons, like ran away from when I first became a Christian, because I was scared that that wasn't the right things. Um, and like, but slowly over the years like I've kind of come to my come to the realization especially with such emphasis on Paul's message about grace and you know all things are lawful unto me but not all things are expedient are expedient and edify and it's like okay like what is this grace thing really about because some sometimes you can get too legalistic about things and it makes things rigid and it makes you almost lose the uh the joy of jesus if if i at the risk of sounding corny um you risk that joy of salvation and and the the freedom like you're like paul says we're liberated we have liberty um because we're not bound by the law and ordinances that were once condemning us 
Um, now there are still things that we should not do as as people, as believers, because of the evil. And I'm not talking about like the like uh, monsters or like scary stuff, but just because the the um, diametrically opposite like principles some things have. Obviously, I'm not I I don't I'm not getting into weird stuff or anything, but like. I was just afraid of just little things here and there that I shouldn't have been afraid of. Um, And finding that true liberty through Christ, like really kind of almost made me like regulate a little bit. Like, okay, hold on a second. Um, In my eyes, it's almost the opposite of what happened to you, but probably not so opposite. Yeah, probably not as opposite as you might think. Right. Right. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's because there was, there were periods of, of. Like a frustration almost in. In my. Exploration of, of of, like paganism, like transitioning into Buddhism, because there would be, I mean, like, I don't have a problem with paganism. I think it's a great, you know, path for those who find it useful but in my exploration it was like you know there would be these these rituals and practices and i'm like why are like why are we doing this like this is pointless and there's like wait why am i even frustrated like if it's not if it's not something i want to do it's not it's not what i do like like just let it go and frustration is a good word yeah, and it's almost like you you outgrow or something those things and then you know, you could you could complain about it and you could complain about you know, outgrowing a shoe and still strapped on your foot every day mm-hmm. with that pain or you could just take it off, and maybe get a new shoe. I like outgrowing, that's a good term. that's a good way to put it because like paul always says you know like don't do something if like it makes a brother stumble but like he's talking about that brother stumbling over something that he shouldn't really be stumbling over as kind of like being a an infant in the faith um and you know like i just think about some churches that i've heard like you can't have a beard like if you have a beard we're not gonna like call on you to pray or anything because I don't understand that. It's not like I didn't have a beard and I'm like, oh, I can grow a beard. I grew a beard in Israel and I kept it. So that was my souvenir in Israel. But uh, <laughs> um, uh, but just small things like that, like you're worried about being judged or something, but then you realize you do kind of outgrow it and say, that's silly. Yeah, that's 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 really uh, a good point of like you're afraid of I don't know it's almost like a, a, a pressure from your peers oh yeah definitely um, 100% yeah and there's like probably uh, probably kind of an opposite uh, kind of pressure but same like a diametrically opposed but identical pressure on my side and i remember getting into not a debate but a conversation with someone at a pagan event and it was when i was still bordering like 
like walking that fence between pagan and Buddhism thinking, oh, I'm Buddhist, but also somehow pagan. And he's like, my friend was like, I just don't get that because paganism is like hedonistic and Buddhism is, he was kind of mistaken as to thinking that it was diametrically opposed to hedonism. Like, oh, it's complete opposite and like punishment and stuff in which it's not because the Buddha taught a middle way between hedonism and self-modification. But I digress. <laughs> that conversation he was saying, I was like, you know, that actually brings up a good point because what I got frustrated with paganism is was the almost the laxness of it of, oh, you know, bonfires and drinking and shouting. And, and I'm like, I want a more subdued spirituality. You know, <laughs> I want something like I want a little self-restraint, you know, in a positive way. And that's what Buddhism gladly offers. Hmm. It's like, here's training precepts, you know, here's, you know, think before you leap kind of stuff. <laughs> and it's like, this is what I want. This is what I feel is most beneficial. Hmm. Yeah, that's that, that, that is very true. That That's very, yeah, almost... I do see the oppositeness of that, but like on the same token, like so, so true and applicable, but that's, we could do a whole episode on this topic, like the, uh, (laughs) social pressures or maybe like frustration. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe man, we could go on for hours about that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, I think that's going to end it here. Um, great topic um i think it it to me it felt like multiple topics in one podcast but you now yeah. you yeah now it is but <laughs> earlier in the part i probably will edit out you probably think you you thought it was uh right on point but <laughs> and that's where we differ but yeah thanks everyone for listening and watching to um our show um again subscribe like comment share Email us, baptistandbuddhist at gmail.com. Um, leave reviews, everything. We, we yeah, would appreciate write our, it. Write our website on the sidewalks. And we don't have a website. of our website. We <laughs> don't have a website. No. Our YouTube site, whatever. YouTube, yeah. yeah. Hashtag. Um, well, if, the, you are, if you by chance are a skywriter, you know, just if you're bored one day. No. <laughs> possibly t-shirt maker if you do screen printing make us a logo or something no i'm kidding okay (laughs) well again thank you all thank you all we'll see you next time and this has been the baptist and the buddhist with mark and brian and with that we will say so long